Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of some of our favorite video games. Yes, welcome. My name is Bruce Walton, and I am Cool Dude. I am Caleb Ferentz. I'm probably a 7 out of 10, give or take. Oh, you gotta give yourself more credit than that, okay. man. Come on. A- eight and a half. All right, there you we'll, go. We'll agree on eight and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'm a I, 10. I'm, I'm, you, gotta, you gotta go through life thinking you're a 10. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, welcome to Lore Party. This is our first episode on Overwatch lore. Is that right, Caleb? That is absolutely our first episode on Overwatch lore, unless there's a prequel that, like, I missed. <laughs> but, like... We we can do the we can do the prequel episodes like on another day like we'll just do this George Lucas style. Well, so in this, um, let's just kind of describe what we kind of do here. We are um, we are gamers. Uh, we love video games, and both of us play a lot of Overwatch, and we love all the stories and characters that come with it. Yeah, Overwatch is an absolutely fantastic game, not just for its like unique and interesting gameplay style, like at multiple levels of play, even high level Overwatch is just fascinating to watch, but also for the really interesting and unique ways that it unfolds its story and for the really interesting and elaborate universe that that story is unfolded. Yes. And so that's what we wanted to break down more of today. And without further ado, let's start. Caleb, um, I'm going to make a little confession here on our first episode. I hated Overwatch the first time I heard about it. Really? Yeah, I did not like... I hated the way that they put the story in. I was like... I was very... I was like a purist when it came to a story. If it was in the... If it was in the actual game, I wanted to play a campaign. I didn't like how Overwatch was just like, oh, it's everywhere. It's online. It's on, you know, these little bios. You can figure this out. There's no real campaign or story beginning, middle, end. You just learn about it over time. I was like, that's stupid. That's dumb. I don't like that. I don't like change. But over time, I was just like, these characters and these like worlds are so amazing. I just got into it. I caved and I bought a copy and I've just been in love ever since. I I think where Overwatch is definitely interesting in that the the strengths of its own story that it's chosen to pursue, it doesn't have a traditional linear continuing story, which um, I also agree like that's that was a big turnoff for me early on. And I think that, you know, even to this day, I think that 
Overwatch would benefit significantly from having more direct story content. Now that I actually disagree with. I think it kind of puts it in a box. It's a very finite amount of just resources, stories, and plot points. But it, in this one, there's more stories and opportunities to be able to create a bigger canvas for so much more in this universe than could ever be made if you just made so many more things known at the first glance uh, playing in the game. I think it would be very interesting, but what they're doing with this and how unabashed and unapologetically they are just kind of going towards this unique storytelling way that I really did not think would work well. I mean, I don't know. I, I think it's very brave. I think Overwatch is interesting because it's, it's forgone linear narrative for the sake of... Uh, rather than building a past, a present, and then a future, it builds just the present. And so it's established the elaborate now situation. Yes. And uh, what I really do love about it is that, you know, you have these new characters that come in every few months. And Sombra, uh, who we will be talking about today, is uh, probably one of the most intriguing ones in their um, reveal. Sombra is uh, interesting just for a number of different ways. Um, she was arguably... when. When she was announced, she was easily one of the most hyped aspects of the story. And oh, it was crazy. She she also represents one of the biggest developments in the um, plot and lore that does exist of Overwatch. I I have a confession to make now oh. that I myself was back in, ladies and gentlemen, had not played Overwatch when Sombra was first announced. So I started playing Overwatch between her announcement and her release. Gasp. So I missed much of the events leading up to her announcement. Well, let me tell you, the entire community was ablaze with speculation. Let me just take you through just everything that was going on. First of all, we had no idea who Sombra was. We didn't know if Sombra was a boy, girl, Omnic, what have you. We had, oh God, this was a while ago, but when people were like first trying to figure out who Sombra was, because uh, there was a lot of like in-game clues. There was like something in Dorado where uh, there was like a magazine showing like a shrouded figure saying, Quien es Sombra? Which is like, who is Sombra in Spanish? And um, there were like pictures of like this one person who's like in a shroud, which we later learned is Anna Amari, who is a character, um, in her, like, um, desert shroud uh, skin. When we thought back then was that that was Sombra. And uh, it's just like, when you think back on it, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but you just feel so ignorant when you look at it like that. When she was first sort of being officially, like, teased to be revealed, it was really interesting the way that they did it, because instead of just saying, like, ooh, someone's coming, someone's coming, because they did that with uh, Anna first, um, it's just, like, having a big reveal. Instead, this was more for the hacking scene. Sombra is a hacker, and um, the way that people learn more about it was just like through these different clues that were put in some of the patch notes that were put in uh, some of the event videos. Uh, it was like these small, tiny, minute things that you would only have to look at for like a quick millisecond to catch. Even if you were looking, it would be difficult. And it was amazing to see just all these teams of hackers and people who were just like running the numbers, trying to figure out the codes of just messages and then translating them in from like Spanish to English. And they were still trying to figure it out. Her calling card was like the sugar skull. 
We thought that that was going to be like a mask that she wore and that like they would just be like she would be a, a shroud just like in bl all black with just a, the sugar skull mask. And I really I, when I saw Sombra revealed finally, I was a bit disappointed at first because I was just like, that's not even intimidating. It's just a neon purple girl. Uh, but I soon began to love her and her own personality. Um, and when she was first uh, finally revealed, um, we learned a lot more about her, her character, her motives, uh, her voice, uh, where she's from. And Caleb is going to take you on that ride. So Sombra actually is one of my favorite characters in the series behind only Tracer. Um, oh, we got a Tracer main here, huh? I am, I am hardcore Tracer main. Tracer mains. <laughs> but not only that, I am a silver Tracer main. So <laughs> not even a good one. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're will, all silver now. I, I will dash into your joke you, and if die. If you aren't silver right now, and if you've been playing at least since the second or third season, I don't know who you are. I don't know who you are. You're in silver, or you made a new account. Don't Don't lie to us. And so the um, backstory behind Sombra is that she was an orphan whose parents died during the original Omnic Crisis, which is one of the big, big world-defining events in Overwatch history. A quick snidbit in the lore. Uh, first of all, if you haven't played Overwatch, just watch a video, honestly. Uh, it would tell you so much more than we could ever. But a uh, quick thing is that the entire game takes place uh, far into the future. Um, people are like really enjoying like having robots and stuff. But then this robot company called the Omnic Corporation had this big AI that then uh, turned against them and became the Robot Wars. And like, you know, that whole like stereotypical the future where like the, the robots the singularity the singularity and the robots just take over that actually happened but now it's taking place like 30 years after that first initial robot wars and like there's so much more happening now than you could even think of just like you know a, a war between humans and robots so in that a lot of people died i mean like millions and it was being saved uh, the world by Overwatch, uh, which was a task force made to be the last line of defense for humanity against the Omnics. They refer to it as the Omnic Crisis, which is just sort of that time period in which the Omnics rose up. Now, in the current time that the game is taking place, the Omnics are now sentient, no longer hellbent on the destruction of humanity, and just wanting to have uh, their normal lives. They are sentient, they are um, completely with free will and you know a lot of people are still kind of sore from the whole you know holocaust of humanity thing even though it wasn't really something that they did as a choice it was sort of like a compelling program i believe caleb if you can ever like yeah, the, correct me if i'm wrong the the omnics were controlled largely by the god ais um one of the most notable being anubis yes who's kept in the a facility that's being guarded by Farah and is the entire point of the Temple of Anubis. Yes. The point going back to, though, is that during the Omnic Crisis, lots of children were orphaned, one of which in Mexico was a little girl named Olivia Colomar. So the she had been 
good with computers and so she started hacking and started getting in the habit not just of hacking computers but learning that people were also easily manipulated and so she's just started learning at a young age just like the power that information itself has and so just kind of growing up under that mindset it becomes an addiction and however she started when she started hacking high importance corporations and companies and governments Eventually, she got noticed by a yet-to-be-known entity. Uh, people are calling it the eye on some circles. Um, it's sort of like a, a technological Illuminati. Um, very, very little is known about it, but um, in one of the uh, animations, it shows that she was very close to getting something, and then just um, an icon, which you can find if you just say, like, Overwatch the Eye or something like that, um, just completely wiped out all her equipment. Uh, she had to start over from scratch. So, in doing that, after having been discovered by whoever this Eye was, she was forced to, as it goes, get an upgrade. So she upgraded a lot of her equipment, put a lot of, attached a lot of, what would be the word for that, biometric? Um, oh, um, uh, okay, so that would be more of, uh, I don't know, like hack prosthetics? There we go, hack, she gave herself hack prosthetics. Yes. And, um. It's really cool. It's like all the way, like, up her spine, and like, she's kind of integrated herself so she is her own computer. Which, fascinating way to do it, and ultimately ended up joining an organization called Talon, who kind of formed from the ashes of an of Overwatch's um, Black Ops division, Blackwatch. So it, she was eventually revealed to have been a member of that organization. Uh, before that, she actually used to work for um, Los Muertos, which was a uh, Mexican uh, gang organization uh, that did a lot of uh, just kind of deals for themselves it's sort of like a chaotic neutral thing i wouldn't say that they'd be a terrorist organization they're just like a like a, like a gang like like cholos or yeah. something like that i don't know um but uh you, you know we kind of see them a little bit uh in a animation from uh, soldier 76 where he kind of beats them up uh they don't really seem to like uh omnics but i think that there's still, and that's the whole thing about the Overwatch lore is, we're all on the same ride. Yeah, every everything's an enigma. Like, yeah, as, until they say it is or yeah. not. There's the, the, and so yeah, that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of things that we don't necessarily know a lot about, and a lot of connections. So we know some stuff about the Lost Muertos. We don't necessarily know a lot. Exactly. However, of the things that we do and don't know, Sombra is interesting because even with all of this, like, she's arguably the character in the Overwatch lore that we know the least about. We know she's a member of Talon. We know that her loyalties don't necessarily lie with Talon. Yes, and we figure that out through her first introduction in an animation where she works with two of the leading members of Talon, which are Reaper and uh, Widowmaker. Um, she sort of... Um, I wouldn't say double crosses them, but um... I would say double crosses them. <laughs> I well, I will, I will absolutely say double crosses. Them. <laughs> oh wow, you're, you're just putting it down. All right. So like, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're very much people who deserve double crosses. Oh like, yes, uh, like... she was. They were after a target, and um, instead, like, she was able to, um, you know, close a gap between them. But when she had the chance to kill them, she did not and instead wanted to use them as an informant uh, that thinking that they were better 
um, alive than dead for her. Not for Talon, not for her teammates, but for her. And that said a lot about who she was as a person. When push came to shove or when the going got rough, who would she really align with? Um, would it be the, the people who care about her and would always have her back? Or would it always be that she is looking out for number one, first and foremost? Sure, she has some self-preservation. She doesn't want to make sure that it's just completely known that she'll completely drop you out of the rain or anything like that. That's not an expression. Anyway, um, but instead, like we're seeing that she cares more about herself and her goals and what would you say her goals are, Caleb? Um, her goals are difficult to define, but she does say at the end of one of her cinematics that she plans to find out who really w runs the world and find their weakness. Yes. Um, this most likely being the eye in question. The end of her intro cinematic actually shows a really interesting conspiracy web where she connects several of the characters and factions throughout the Overwatch universe to each other. Mm -hmm. And you see at the center of it all a one of the defining forces behind both Overwatch and Talon is uh, whatever this organ whatever this mysterious eye is on um, this conspiracy whether it's a faction or an individual my theory um has always been that it's one of the original god AIs possibly the Anubis AI possibly that's interesting possibly a force behind it i didn't think about that so my theory has for the longest time been that Sombra's trying to figure out the truth behind whatever the this original possible this could even be maybe the original AI. Now, do you think that she knows it's an AI? I mean, uh, I'm not even entirely convinced it is an AI, but I, my guess is if it is, she probably knows. She probably knows it's an AI. I sorry, go ahead. I would I would argue that most interestingly, an AI because she talked about how easily people can be manipulated. Mm -hmm. I would argue that it would also make a lot of sense the the fact that she almost seems to be kind of trying to play underneath its eye a lot more because I would say an AI is probably the thing that is most capable of intimidating Sombra. We actually haven't seen a lot of AI kind of act within the world, even though they do exist. We've only seen uh, Anubis, uh, but we do know that there are multiple God AIs and you know, that would be a really great thing. Uh, the reveal would be great. I, I would like it if she didn't like, she's like very close. Like she's, got this idea, this perception of what the eye is, but not exactly herself knowing what it is. To me, I feel like she would think that that would be like an, an elite organization of like an Illuminati of just like a higher up, um, you know, just, you know, men in suits at a dark table. But that's what Talon is. So like, I don't know. Bear in mind, bear in mind, this is the person who managed to convince links that she was not an individual but an entire organization exactly like collective. but that's what i think will be a cool parallel is just like she's also wrong um when she's thinking of the i and then that she's wrong and finds out that it's um you know that the i is an ai the thing that really is interesting like because all of this is speculation so there's very little that we actually know about sombra but we, but what really is cool is that I think that compared to a lot of the other characters, um, and this goes back to the strength of Overwatch's unique storytelling style, is the degree to which her visual storytelling comes through. The fact that she has those visible hacking prosthetics on her, her the, the way she moves, the way her abilities translate in-game. Oh, yeah. 
in game she actually has a hack ability where she can actually render her opponents um immobile um you know they're usually just not able to use it for a few seconds they can also she can also ta uh not task she can also hack um health packs um and just be able to stop people during their ultimates but select few yeah um but and, uh, i think that's really cool um and then she also has a translocator mm -hmm. and so and yeah it all it all just combines into this just interesting rhythm of who she is as a character and how she interacts with the people around her but then even on top of that and this is the other controversial opinion i have and this is something that like bruce might challenge me on i think that sombra has the best and most interesting um all around um optional cosmetics in game between like her sprays and the emotes that she's given in game because hmm. even just take for um, example, one specific emote that she was recently given shows her um, summoning a puppet of another character, Reaper, pulling it on a string and mocking it for a few seconds and then laughing and tossing it aside. That two-second gesture reveals so much about her. Um, so you're just saying emotes? Emotes. Or are you saying skins? Emotes, sprays, skins, the whole. I think... I agree with you to a certain degree, but I think it's mostly because we don't know that much about her and that her actions and appearances speak so much more than she does. And yeah, I totally agree with that. She's also a very, for someone who's like very much, um, you know, kind of in the business of stealth, she is very flashy and vibrant with her colors and aesthetic choice, with how she moves, how she kind of carries herself. She's very, she's very confident. She flaunts what she has. She moves very fluidly and just uh, with a lot of confidence, which I do appreciate. I like that. Um, and I like that to her character. Uh, it's just kind of interesting that, you know, she's a hacker. She can turn invisible, but she doesn't choose to be like a ninja or to be to be like a solid color or to blend in she just kind of appears um says look at me world here i am que pasa and then just wreck shop and i really like that about her and it, she'll she'll even do it all under notes after she wrecks shop she'll completely disappear without a trace and i think i really like that because that says a lot about how she probably like does a lot of her missions where she's not found when she doesn't want to be but she can definitely use her just being able to be found and just people trying to find her to her advantage it doesn't matter really what she wears or how she acts she can just be invisible and then wreck you and then appear just completely taunt you and then flaunch it in your face and then go fun interesting sidebar i don't know if you've ever discovered this but in Overwatch, her spray does not cancel out her invisibility, which means that when I, I not know this, when you attach her sprays to your scroll wheel, I can run around invisible and just like scroll down when I'm passing by someone. <laughs> and as far as they see, they don't see me. They just see all of a sudden like Sombra's logo appears oh, next to them. <laughs> that's a ghost. Actually, that would freak someone out because they're just like, Sombra's here. Where <laughs> like, is she? And so, like, and it, it's going to be even more so because they're um, working on buffing her in the game now. Um, by the time this episode comes out, yep. the, the, those PTR buffs will probably be live. Okay, so what do you think about these? Uh, have you, first of all, like, read all about them? Yes. Cool. Um, why don't you tell the viewers at home? Um, okay, first of all, just 
she does uh, translocator stuff. Um, she can turn invisible for a duration, can be detected by some things. And if she's too close to someone, she's detected. She has the hackability thing and then her EMP charge, which is her ultimate, um, which she just sort of does this huge sphere that hacks everything in the area. I think, I think that it shows a whole nother level of the extent to which Sombra's influence in the game is reflective of her influence in the story where when she was first introduced she was actually fairly underpowered she was not used in any high level play for the longest time but then as time went on more and more buffs began getting added and so she kind of went from being this invisible underground force that was hardly ever seen to now being about to be a dominant figure in probably most levels of play and i think that goes to reflect a lot on i think that again like i don't know if that's necessarily intentional by blizzard but it's certainly an interesting reflection oh yeah i definitely agree with that um i think you know there aren't a lot of amazing sombra players but when you find one and you will find one it will be incredibly frustrating but also amazing to see them work because they will just appear behind enemy lines just completely knock out the most important crucial times that they need someone and just win the game for you i've seen it happen so many times and i think the way that you can like really utilize sombra really is parallel with how her character is and that's i think the best part about that yeah sombra is sombra is interesting in that like the power that she, the synergy that she can get with virtually any other character, but then even on top of that, just the the level of power that she can get alone. I think the that about wraps it up for this episode. Yeah, so if you want to learn more about Sombra, you can be able to play Overwatch or look on overwatch.com. Is that it? I think it's playoverwatch.com. Playoverwatch.com. You are right. I, am, I, I apologize. I would, I, honestly, I would just type Overwatch into Google. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would be better. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of uh, mistakes you can make with that. But if you do that, that's fine. So that, I believe, hits it out yeah. of the park for our first ever episode. How do you think it went? I think, I think that went really well. If you think it went well, be sure to let us know. You can connect with us on Twitter um, at lore underscore party. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah, show us some love. Mm-hmm.